0: Is radio here on the score 1260? Tyler Aki with you here until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got plenty to get to here on the score 1260. We're going to talk some ties battle, some Syracuse football over unders. There's that numbers now out. Vegas has set its line. Also, some more interesting things with Syracuse football. It's going to be a football heavy show today. We'll get to the Athlon All ACC team that was put out earlier this week. And then I want to talk some SU receivers as well. That'll be on later on in the show, and we'll wrap it all up how we always do with some Fizz feedback. But first, be sure to follow us Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and on iTunes by searching OrangeFizz. Also on OrangeFizz.net is where you'll get all of our written content. And if you missed this show or missed parts of this show or just want more Fizz content, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. You'll get this episode and more of Fizz Radio as well as all of our Fizzcasts. I talked a little Ashuna Shune and him spurning Syracuse for St. Bonaventure. I talked about that with Tim Leonard. Not going to hit on that in this episode of Fizz Radio, so you can get all of that in our Fizzcast that we did. Again, that's on iTunes. That's on SoundCloud. So be sure to check all that out. Well, let's start off with Tyus Battle. And I I hit on this in the Fizzcast earlier this week, but Tyus Battle always going to be the burning question of this Syracuse team. He's got less than a week now. He's got until May 30th to decide whether or not he wants to come back to Syracuse. All signs are really pointing towards he's not coming back. He's going to keep his name in, even though a lot of people don't think he was that great in that NBA combine that took place last week in Chicago. So here's my whole rationale with Tyus Battle. You look at a guy and he's got the NBA frame. There's no questions about that. You haven't seen anyone. It, you look at a lot of players in this draft, especially at the guard position, and especially some of these fringe guys between the first and second round. There is no question who's got one of the better, if not the best, body at the back end of that first round, early part of that second round. It's Tyus Battle. You look at his frame, six foot six, and he's pretty built up to that that's exactly the type of body these NBA teams are looking for the defense was going to be the question but look back to his high school days defense certainly was one of his calling cards and that's why i thought he was going to succeed at the nba level it's because he could play defense and be a physical defender get up in your face get up in your jersey and then the three-point shot would just come with time that's part of the nba development because again there's a lot of guys in the nba who don't come in with good three-point shots and then they just develop it. Look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Didn't come in with a three-point shot. Look at look at Ben Simmons. He was the number one pick in this draft. He can't shoot the ball. And he somehow goes, or rather, he was two drafts ago. And then this last draft, much of the same, with Markel Fultz. And he can't shoot the basketball. So it just kind of shows you that you don't need that knockdown jumper. Granted, it can help you. Look at a guy like Trey Young. He's certainly the only reason he's being talked about right now as an NBA prospect is because of his jump shot and his ability to hit from pretty much anywhere on the court. But, again, it's a trait that you can pick up in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, all these guys develop jump shots. It all comes down to the type of work that you're going to put into the gym in the off-seasons and after practice and stuff like that. And if you you watch Tyus battle, his work ethic, his attitude... I mean, this was a guy who was dog-tired all season long, playing pretty much 40 40 minutes a night in the toughest conference in all of college basketball, didn't complain once, never made the tired excuse, and just kind of went out there and went about his business. And he did a pretty damn good job of it, too. Just a tick under 20 points per game for the season. There's not much more you can ask of a guy and have him do it every single night, and His consistency is one thing that I think a lot of these NBA teams are going to take note of. He's going to be one of the... I have a feeling Tyus Battle is going to be one of those guys where all these mocks have him going in the 40 to 50, maybe even 55 range, but he'll go in the 30s. And people will be scratching their heads, but it'll all kind of make sense. it will be like, okay, I'm not going to fight that Tyus Battle pick because I, I do think that what he brings to the table is so rare, or not necessarily rare, but... It, when you look at what you're trying to get in the second round, you, you don't find a lot of guys that are just they have the capability to go out and score twenty points a night in the toughest conference in college basketball. Why is that being overlooked? That that's what I don't get about this whole Tyus battle argument. He was one of the leading scorers in the entire conference. The only guys that were ahead of him, Marvin Bagley, he's gonna be a top five pick, and then Jerome Robinson. Jerome Robinson is is going to be maybe a back end of the first round pick and a super talented player. So why can't Tyus Battle, why are we knocking him for his scoring abilities? That's what makes no sense to me. He's going out and proving it. There's no question marks surrounding Marvin Bagley's scoring ability. There's no question marks surrounding Jerome Robinson's scoring ability. But we're going to question Tyus Battle, who comes in at number three in the ACC in scoring. That's just where things don't add up for me in this whole Tyus Battle draft talk. Because if you're going to question something, question his defense. That's fine. That's a totally valid questioning. I just don't get why you're questioning the offense. Because you don't know necessarily what he can do in a man-to-man set aside from his high school tape. And now this little mini combine where you get a short sampling of things. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Rocky Talking some Tyus Battle and the draft. And... There's a lot of people, and we're going to get to this in Fizz Feedback. We got a lot of great responses in our Fizz Feedback that I'm really looking forward to getting to. That's coming up all at the end of the show. But Tyus Battle, the question that's kind of on everyone's mind right now, It's not. it doesn't really feel like a matter of will he, won't he. It feels like, oh, he is going to the NBA draft. It's a. It's a matter of should he, shouldn't he. And to me, the answer is clear. He should go now. If he wants to go now, he should go now. He can't up his stock next season. And I've said this before. The thing that everyone likes to talk about every single year, in every single draft, is his draft stock is going to be better next year because it's a weaker class. You know, this year was supposed to be a weak class. And then crazy stuff happens that are completely beyond Tyus Battle's control. Look at a guy, look at just the top of the NBA draft real quick, all right? We'll we'll look at the lottery. First of all, Marvin Bagley isn't supposed to be in this draft. He's supposed to be a senior in high school right now. He should be going into his freshman season at Duke. And he's going to be a top five pick. Luka Doncic, or Doncic, however you say it, He's supposed to be a top five, maybe even the number one overall player in this draft. Yes, he was known about, but he still kind of came out of nowhere, and now he's in this draft after coming off one a super impressive season in the Euro League. Trey Young was a guy who should not was not on NBA radars for this year's draft, and look what happened with him. He's going to be in the lottery now. Shea Gilgis Alexander a guy who wasn't even starting for some of the year for Kentucky, and now he is going to maybe even be in the lottery. If not, he'll be one of the first picks out of the lottery. That's crazy. That's, that's just insane to me that all these players just come out of nowhere. I mean, you knew a guy like DeAndre Ayton would be here, but even even you look at Jaron Jackson from Michigan State, I don't think a lot of teams had them as a potential top Five pick in this year's draft sure the the size and the length was all there but and don't get me wrong I, I'm not very high on Jaron Jackson I don't know how he's going to project as an NBA player he didn't play very much in college you look at his his numbers his minutes per game I believe is south of 25 so there's a super small sample size on him you and just look at that Syracuse game too he played I want to say two minutes in the second half of that sweet 16 game or of that uh, round of 32 game that Syracuse used to get to the Sweet 16. So it just kind of shows you, yes, maybe the draft right now doesn't look as strong as it does this year. But every time, there's always a couple that creep out of nowhere. And the two examples I love to bring up in a situation like this, look at Miles Bridges. He's going to take a dip. And he had a great season at Michigan State. But he's going to dip in this year's draft, and Ivan Rabb. Ivan Rabb of Cal. This was two or three years ago. Ivan Rabb, after his freshman season, could have gone pro, was a a surefire lottery pick, and he comes back to school at Cal and drops to the second round. Drops to the second round. No one wanted the extra mileage on a guy like Ivan Rabb, especially a bigger body, and especially when you look at a guy like Tyus Battle, you don't want the extra mileage, and if he comes back, There's going to be a lot of added mileage because he's going to be back to playing those 40 minutes a night come ACC play. So certainly a decision that he's going to have to make in the next couple of days. I think he's going. I think he should go. I think this is when his value is at the highest. He's not going to get into that lottery next year. He's just not. It doesn't matter how well he plays. He's going to be a junior. How many juniors do you see going in this lottery? Mikael Bridges. That's about it. Off the top of my head, that's about it. So, and he might not even go in the lottery. Who knows? He might slip a little bit too. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some Syracuse football. Vegas lines are out. Over, under. We'll tell you what that line's at and more. That's coming up on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Back on Fizz Radio. Just wrapped up some Tyus Battle NBA draft talk Will he go? Won't he go? I think he's gone. I think he should go. I think this is when his peak is in terms of his draft stock. Not going to get much better than this, even if it is early second round. I think that's about where he's going to top out. Or just one more semi, I guess, Syracuse basketball note before we move along here into some football talk. Hakeem Warwick, now on the Bayheim's Army team, one of the most iconic moments in Syracuse basketball history with that block in the 03 championship. But we're going to talk to Kevin Belby sometime in the near future. Get all the intel you need for the basketball tournament again. I think it's up to $2 million this year. It was $2 million last year. I think it's $2 million again that all these former Syracuse players will be playing for an unreal run last year. So we'll recap all of that and hopefully talk to some of the players at some point over the summer. So that should all be plenty entertaining. I remember last summer we talked to John Gillen, Trevor Cooney, hopefully get some more insight, but that roster really starting to shape up. So it should be interesting to see what Bayheim's army has on tap for the summer of 2018. All right. Vegas came out with their over unders for all of college football. And in the ACC, Syracuse, pulls up dead last in terms of where their number was slotted. Four and a half for the Orange. They've got Virginia ahead of them. UNC, every single team in the conference is ahead of Syracuse with four and a half wins. To me, that that seems kind of like a crime. When you look at what Dino Babers has shown over these last couple of years. Yes, he's only shown back-to-back four win seasons but you talk to some of these players and especially looking at last year's team a lot of them felt like wow we really wish we had last year's schedule with this year's team in regards to the 2017 team wanting the 2016 schedule well that 2016 schedule is kind of coming to fruition here in 2018 and yes you do lose some pieces and you lose some key pieces especially on the defensive side And on the outside, in terms of losing Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips, and then defensively, you can't soften the blow of losing Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett. You just can't. Those are guys who are probably irreplaceable for the next couple of years here at Syracuse Football. But this 2018 schedule is... I don't want to go out and say it's easy, but it's certainly a lot softer than what we saw in 2017. And now you've got Eric Dungey entering his senior season. He's been through the trials and tribulations. He's a senior. He's the big dog on campus. He knows what all these powerhouses and what it takes to win big games. He won that Virginia Tech game. I won't say single-handedly because the defense played a heck of a game too, But his legs won that Virginia Tech game. And he was an excellent game manager in that fourth quarter against Clemson. Again, Syracuse held the ball for uh, uh, almost the entire fourth quarter. They played phenomenal. And and this is a team that is learning somewhat how to adapt. They're learning how to adapt and not rely on that run and gun offense. So let's take a look at this. We have to find five wins on this Syracuse schedule, all right? I, I think we can do it, and I'm going to go game by game here, which isn't the, always the most interesting, but I think that you have to do it. So right out of the game, you go on the road, Western Michigan. I think that's a win. Syracuse, if we're going off of Vegas stuff right now, they're opening up as the favorite on the road in the opener. I just think that the Syracuse offense is just going to be too much, Uh, for a team like Western Michigan. Again, not a ton of talent there. They do produce some good players every once in a while, but going to be too much. Syracuse gets win number one right out of the gate. Game two, this is easy. This is an FCS opponent, Wagner, uh, done deal. That's another win for Syracuse. Game three is where things will start to get dicey. Florida State, again, a coaching change there. No more Jimbo Fisher, so maybe it's a little tougher, but... Again, this is a team that Syracuse had on the ropes last year. And now Florida State is coming to the Dome. We don't know what's going on with DeAndre Francois quite yet. He had the injury last year. So that his status may still be up in the air. We'll see who's playing quarterback. But when Athlon came out with their quarterback rankings, they put James Blackman in. So we'll see who the starting quarterback is in the Dome come week three. If it's James Blackman, I think Syracuse has a a real shot to win that game. But let's just say it's DeAndre Francois. Quarterbacks clearly will make a huge difference. But this is, again, one of those games where every year we kind of see Syracuse pull off a win that they probably shouldn't have. And this could be one of those games. So we'll put it as an L for the sake of the exercise right now. But keep in mind, this is a game that Syracuse can certainly win. This is a swing game. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky, here with you until 10 o'clock. I want to get your thoughts. Send us a tweet on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Let me know. Can Syracuse get to not just five wins to go on the over of the Vegas total, but can they get to six wins? And tell me why. Hit us up on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Next up, UConn at home. Easy win. Huskies have no offense. That's not changing. Syracuse already. We're through four games and Syracuse has three wins, so, so you're searching now for two more wins. And this is a team that people are contending for a bowl game, and you're going to set their over under at four and a half wins. I th- I feel like you should bump them up a win to five and a half, and that's where I think Vegas went wrong. Clemson loss. I know you got the upset, but now you're going down to Death Valley. That's going to be a tough game. We saw what happened last time, fifty nine to nothing, and, and Dino Baber's most lopsided loss since coming to Syracuse. So, That's a loss for Syracuse. Next up, Pitt. This is an interesting one. Some quarterback shuffling as well with Pitt. This is on the road, which is certainly going to make it tough. Michael Salahuddin, maybe a little revenge that Syracuse wants after the four-star running back. He pulled that stunt on Syracuse, if you remember. He had the he was doing his announcement. Four-star running back, super talented player, had the Syracuse shirt on. He un he ripped open and he, or he picked up the Syracuse hat, put it on, and then he rips open his shirt, and it's a Pitt shirt. So maybe Syracuse, especially on the defensive side, they took that personally, and that could come out. But Pitt certainly a game you can win. Certainly a game you can win on the road. And I'm gonna say Syracuse does win this game on the road. So there's four. We're through five games. Rather, we're we're through six games, and Syracuse has found four wins. So they're searching for one more off of this Vegas, off this Vegas line. Next up, very next week. This is your best chance to get it. North Carolina at home. This is homecoming it'll be one of the bigger crowds i would imagine carolina's kind of got that brand too even though it's football they still have that carolina brand that that allure so that's a game i think syracuse wins carolina just isn't that good of a football team one of the worst teams in the conference last year they clearly were missing something without mitchell trubisky so i give syracuse its fifth win through seven games you're sitting at five and two through seven games Now you're searching for that one extra win to get you to a bowl. There's a couple places you can find it. Next game against NC State. Now, NC State lost some of their best players. Naheem Hines, gone to the draft. Bradley Chubb, gone to the draft. Two of the most dynamic players, one on each side of the ball, and they're out of the equation now. Ryan Finley, super talented quarterback, certainly could be the the difference maker in this game. But if you remember last year, Eric Dungey outplayed Ryan Finley on the road. You take away one of the some of those first couple drives, and after that, Eric Dungey was clearly the better quarterback, and he can do it on his le- with his legs too. So NC State certainly a prime swing game on this schedule, and I think Syracuse does get that win as well. Next week, you go to Wake Forest. That's going to be a tough game, always on the road. Seems like weather sometimes has has a little bit of an impact. I remember two years ago, uh, that happened. And then last year, of course, the meltdown inside the Dome. But road game, I'll chalk that one up to Wake Forest. The next one, Louisville. New, new man under center, Jawan Pass, coming in for the Cardinals. Again, Lamar Jackson has beaten Syracuse these last two years. It hasn't been anyone else. It's been Lamar Jackson. He put him on the highlight tape, and you gotta wonder if that was still lingering in some of these guys' minds the very next season. But I think Syracuse can get a seventh win against Louisville, and then after that you lose out. You play Notre Dame neutral site at Yankee Stadium. I don't care if it's closer way closer to New York and Syracuse than it is to South Bend. It, Notre Dame's the far superior team in this one. Notre Dame takes that. And then Boston College, A.J. Dillon ran all over Syracuse last year. He's going to do it again, and he's going to have some help with him under center in Anthony Brown, assuming he's healthy for this game. But Anthony Brown was one of the better freshman quarterbacks last year before he got injured. So there are the wins. Four and a half just seems absurdly low to me and something that the Syracuse team really should feel disrespected for. I know there's going to be some questions at wide receiver. We're going to talk about that next, and we're going to talk about some of the other players that have to live up to this now preseason All-ACC billing from Athlon Sport. That's coming up on the other side. This is Fizz Radio. Welcome back, another Saturday morning, another episode of Fizz Radio. Tyler Rocky with you here on the Score 1260, taking you until 10 o'clock on this morning. We've hit on some Tyus battle talk, and we've also gotten to where Syracuse's over-under is at Vegas. Four and a half, it said it. That is criminally low, if you ask me. Criminally low for this Orange team. I think they're a much better team than that. I think they... That, that over-under should be bumped up an entire game and you should be betting on, are they a bowl team or are they not a bowl team? Because that's really the conversation around this team. I know the last two seasons have been four-win seasons, but again, this team is now under year three of Dino Babers. All of Babers' guys are now kind of his guys. We're getting to that point where this roster, you're going to start seeing that product on the field. The speed is going to go up this year. I can tell you that. The speed is going to go way up. So something to look out for for this season. And if, if you missed any of that conversation and you want to find it, go to us on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud Orange Fizz, and you'll get this entire episode as well as FizzCasts and exclusive interviews, the whole nine yards. That's all on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, at Orange Fizz, and check out all of our online content, orangefizz.net. So Athlon Sports, and, and they do a great job with their coverage. They cover everything. They've got, They one of their favorite things that they put out, of mine, that they put out every single year is their college football quarterback rankings. And they rank every single college quarterback in the FBS. And that's one of my favorite articles. But they just put out, they're all ACC list. A good amount of Syracuse players coming in on this thing. Let's start off. Syracuse's punter, you at this point, it seems like, after Riley Dixon was phenomenal, of course, with his fake punts, and then getting drafted in the NFL as well. You don't see punters get drafted, but Riley Dixon does. Sterling Hoffrichter lands on the first team. I, I, I'm not going to fight that one bit. I, I think he's a, he's a phenomenal punter. He certainly has lived up to the bill that... Riley Dixon, if he is the program standard, maybe Hoffrichter's not quite the elusive runner and hurdler, but he does a great job when called upon to punt the ball. And let's be honest, the Syracuse team, they've punted a fair amount over these last two seasons. So Sterling Hoffrichter, even with a team that goes for it a lot on fourth down, that goes for it the most in college football on fourth down, Sterling Hoffrichter has certainly still played a vital role to this team. Now, only one player on the second team, and to me, it was interesting. But I completely agree with it. Ravion Pierce, the tight end, I think he's due for a big year this year. Dino kind of saw what he got out of it. And Ravion Pierce, especially in the red zone, just throw it up to him. He's a big body. It's like throwing to a garage door. You just got to hit that garage door radius, and Ravion Pierce has a chance to make a play on it, especially you throw him some seams over the middle, You let him slip through, let him get on a linebacker. He's the much more athletic player, a lot faster. He is your modern day receiving tight end, and that's why he's second team. And it wouldn't surprise me if he somehow lands on a first team as well. St- Ravion Pierce is one of the creams of the crop, in terms of tight ends in college football. I think he could have a phenomenal year, especially now that you're losing a lot of receiving production without Steve Ishmael, without Irv Phillips. So some, those yards have to go to someone. As we learned from year one to year two in, under Dino Babers, those yards did go to someone. It was Steve Ishmael, and, and even Irv Phillips made up a lot of the ground left that Amba Edatawo supplied. So who's going to step up? That's the question right now for Syracuse football. Ravion Pierce, certainly a name to look out for. Then, we get to the third team. Eric Dungy. And he's he's getting that respect that he deserves. Third team, All-ACC again. It would not surprise me if he somehow lands on the second team. Or maybe he plays a phenomenal season. If Syracuse gets to seven or eight wins, Eric Dungy is certainly deserving of a first-team nod. Because if this team gets to seven wins, somehow, by some way, gets to seven wins, it'll be because of Eric Dungey. The defense is losing so many pieces. Eric is going to have to be a dynamic runner in this ACC if Syracuse is going to go to a bowl game or even maybe a little bit more and get that extra juice, that extra win. And one of the guys who's going to be tasked with keeping them straight up, Cody Conway, uh, another phenomenal offensive tackle for the Syracuse team. This offensive line looks to be intact. And I think that this is where we're going to start to see Eric Dungy have a fully healthy season because there's that continuity on the offensive line. And it starts with Cody Conway. I think that's a huge piece for this team. I think he's due for another great season. He's been phenomenal. All the metrics love this Syracuse offensive line. You look back to last season, it seemed like Every single pro football focus uh, team of the week for the ACC it always featured a Syracuse offensive lineman, and Cody Conway, certainly one of the big pieces of that. Next up, Chris Slayton. Defensive tackle, big boy, big boy. And Dino Babers loves this kid. He loves Chris Slayton. He's called him an NFL player. He could be that guy that Syracuse has drafted next season, Chris Slayton. I think he's due for another big year this coming year. And then in special teams, kick returner Sean Riley. We've seen the speed out of Riley. He's not going to... He's no all ACC type receiver. But I do think he's a pretty good kick returner, punt returner when they put him back there too. I think he may get some competition because there's all this influx of speed. I don't necessarily know who it's going to be quite yet. But there's a lot of speed at the receiver position. Wouldn't be surprised if we start to see uh, some different names thrown in there. And it won't necessarily be because Sean Riley's not performing well. It's just going to be because some other kid is stepping up and, and is disp- is showcasing that speed. And it may be because teams don't want to kick to Sean Riley. So they'll kick to maybe a, a Nikeem Johnson or something like that, and he can return a point, and, and he'll show that ability to be a dynamic kick returner. Regardless... I think Syracuse does land someone in special teams in the return department on one of these all ACC teams. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. I'm going to have this quick conversation right now because I think this is important. And I do want to leave time for Fizz feedback because we are going to address it a little bit in that segment as well. So every season now with this Syracuse team, we're seeing a receiver emerge. And ever since Dino Babers has taken over, uh, in this pace and space and uh, running gun type offense receivers have been thriving absolutely thriving now we're looking at who is it going to be this season and this brings up a super interesting question because if you asked me last year who was going to be the guy that really exploded i probably would have told you irv phillips and not that irv phillips didn't explode he had a phenomenal season. But Steve Ishmael was the all-American, all-ACC receiver. And now that Irv Phillips and Steve Ishmael are both gone, there's a void. And and the reason why I think a lot of Syracuse fans are hesitant to really say that this is a bowl-bound team is because you don't know what's coming at receiver. And And that's a completely fair assessment. You look at some of the guys who saw significant time last year that are coming back you've got Devin Butler and Sean Riley you throw in Ravion Pierce into that mix too after that you've got a handful of guys that are that have even seen the field that receiver coming back you've got Nikeem Johnson and you've got Jamal Custis so where is your trust level in these Syracuse receivers it's not very high and that's fine But look at each of these past couple of seasons at the receiver who has been the guy for Dino Babers. Your trust level was probably not too high in them either. Amba Edatawa was an absolute nobody at Maryland. Comes to Syracuse, gets put in this system, thrives. Thrives with a deep ball. He wasn't even that great at catching passes. That was actually one of his knocks. His hands were one of his knocks. But he had the size. He had the size. And that is what allowed him to thrive under Dino Babers. Look at Steve Ishmael. Had the size. Had the speed. Just like Editao did. Editao also had the speed. So who's going to step up and be that guy this year? I'm going Jamal Custis. Jamal Custis is going to be the guy. And we've heard this for a while now. That Jamal Custis is going to be the guy that steps up and makes an impact for the Syracuse receiving core. We've heard it, what, now the past two seasons, he red shirts one, and then last season is kind of a non-factor, but this guy's an athlete, this guy had some basketball looks, he had a, a dual look at SMU to play football and basketball, and he even had some thoughts about walking onto the team here at Syracuse, but this is why Jamal Custis is the guy this year, and why he can explode. 6 foot 5 and runs a 4 3 40. Does that not scream production? It, you I remember a game, this was 2 years ago against Central Michigan, rather 3 years ago against Central Michigan. Wow, time has flown. And he runs a perfect fade route in the back of the end zone. Pulls it in for a touchdown. Jamal Custis is going to be the guy this year for this Syracuse receiving core, And he's going to have some help. And the thing is, is that you don't necessarily know where the help is coming from. Devin Butler, I think, is going to be a phenomenal piece on the outside. Sean Riley can be a valuable piece. Again, the thing with him is going to be the hands. We saw him drop the big touchdown against LSU last season. It was a play that maybe could have swung that game. But that... If you can get these guys to really hang on to the football and develop and use that speed. Sean Riley is one of the fastest receivers you've got. Jamal Custis, one of the fastest receivers you've got. Jamal Custis, the best blend of size and speed on this team. Maybe even in the ACC. You don't see guys with that stature and that speed come around very often. And then, here, I'm going to float one freshman that you should look out for too. Ed Hendricks. Super talented receiver out of the D.C. area. I think he has a chance to be one of the guys that really makes an impact from day one. We'll see if he gets that chance. Again, a lot of Dino's receivers end up redshirting that freshman season. You look at last year, Russell Thompson Bishop, Cameron Jordan, and I believe there's one other that is escaping me at the moment. Really the only freshman that got onto the field and Sherrod Johnson is the other one that I was missing but the only freshman that really got onto the field was Nikeem Johnson and it was sparingly at best so you know that it's going to be tough for some of these freshmen to get on the field but if there's one guy that can make an impact from day one it's going to be Ed Hendricks all right We've got Fizz Feedback coming up. We're going to talk a little bit more about these receivers, and then we'll also get into some interesting ties, battle conversation. That's the one that stirred the pot the most. I'm really excited for all of your answers here on this upcoming Fizz Feedback. That's on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Putting a bow on this one, you're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki with you here for the next five or so minutes. Time to do Fizz Feedback. Feedback, got a lot of great answers from you out there in Fizz Nation. So let's just get right into it. Fandom aside, should, not will, should Tyus Battle return for his junior year? Yes, came in with as the heavy favorite. 74% of you, that's trailed by no at 26%. I want to get to some of the responses before I get into some analysis of this one. So first re- reply comes from at Jason Geno. You need to make it to a second contract. Chances go down significantly when you're not a lottery pick. Well, let's just face reality at this point. Tyus Battle is not going to be a lottery pick at any point over his college career. And it's to really no fault of his own. He's not going to be a lottery pick. And I think age is going to be the real factor that sets him back. You, you look at how many guys can be a junior or a senior and be picked in the lottery. You have to be one of the best players in the country. And I just don't think that's a possibility with Tyus Battle and the offensive system that is played at Syracuse. I just don't think it's a possibility. Next up, we've got at Brett Barron. Putting my selfish reasons aside... He's a talented kid that wants his best shot at an NBA career. He's probably picked in the second round, or if he's lucky 30th, it's off to the G League and possibly Europe. Improve your game, get in another year at SU, and get picked in the top 15. He's not going in the top 15. He's not. If he gets into the first round this year, that's the best he can do. And I think he's fine with that, and I think he wants to just go out and prove himself in the NBA. Look at the NBA Finals right now. Jordan Bell, second-round pick getting major minutes with the Golden State Warriors. Jordan Bell is a Tyus Battle kind of like player where he's got the body for it, but teams were maybe a little afraid of him. He is going out and making an impact. Look two years ago. Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year. Guess what? Second round pick. So... It's not like you can be a second-round pick and not become anything. Because that's just not true. That's not true. Draymond Green, second-round pick. Again, a lot of it's going to come down to where Ty's battle falls. You find yourself in a great situation, you can make yourself into a great player. All right? Look at, look at Draymond Green. All-NBA-type player. All-star player. NBA champion. A lot of people say that if he played, he'd have another ring on his finger. So, just kind of shows you that second round is not the end of the world. And then, last one I'm going to get to is, Who cares? This is from at MG41261. Who cares? Move on. Carey can now play the point, and Frank Howard can play shooting guard. We'll be a lot better at the point, and Frank Howard can play his natural position. I don't know if that's Frank Howard's natural position. I get he's a little on the taller side of things, but I think if you ask Frank Howard... You would rather be a point guard because he's good off that drive from straight away and that point guard type role. I think he's much better than if you made him into a shooting guard. Again, the turnovers are a problem, and that's something that he's going to have to fix. I think, if anything, Jalen Carey might be a little better as a shooting guard. He's a great shooter, definitely good off the spot-up as well. And then the last one I want to get to real quick is who will lead the Orange in receiving this season. I just talked about this on the last segment of this show and Devin Butler coming in at the lead at forty percent. That's followed by Jamal Custis at twenty two, other at twenty two, and then Sean Riley at sixteen. I'm going to get to some of the others. The the one name that I got was Ravion Pierce, and again I wanted to actually put Ravion Pierce in this poll, but I decided let's stick with three running or three receivers and say let people comment Ravion Pierce. And here's and it's not that I don't think Ravion can lead this team. It's just that I think Ravion Pierce, the tight end position is kind of fluky in college football. And that's the only thing holding him back. If he converted to a receiver full-time, he would totally lead this team in receiving next year. Alright, that's gonna do it for us here on Fizz Radio. Be sure to check us out everywhere online. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Get this full episode and more all of our fizzcasts we're going to be pumping those things out all summer long we'll get into some positional stuff a lot of football previews and we'll talk to kevin bellby down the road bayheim's army that's going to do it for us here on fizz radio have a great saturday fizz nation